Generating traffic and sales can be a challenge for online merchants. But selling on the Walmart marketplace puts your products in front of millions of customers who shop on walmart.com. And right now, sellers who join Walmart Marketplace can save up to 50% on referral and fulfillment fees for the first 90 days. So get started today. Head over to marketplace.walmart.com savings. That's marketplace.walmart.com savings. Welcome to E-Commerce Conversations, a weekly podcast focusing on e-commerce topics featuring interviews with prominent people in the e-commerce space. Welcome to E-Commerce Conversations by Practical E-Commerce. My name is Kerry Murdoch. Every e-commerce merchant has a domain name. For U.S.-based merchants, it likely ends in a .com or perhaps a .net or both. But there are over 200 specialized country code top-level domains, such as .cn for China or .co.uk for the United Kingdom. Should a merchant reserve those domains too? And what happens if someone in those countries steals a merchant's name and reserves it in the local top-level domain code? To help us understand cross-border domain name issues, we are joined once more by Gretchen Olive. She's an attorney and director of policy and industry affairs for Corporation Service Company a trademark and domain name service provider. Well, Gretchen, thank you for your time today. Thank you, Terry. Gretchen, we are here to talk to you again about domain issues, domain name issues, in particular cross-border domain and trademark issues. I know you're an, uh, you're an expert in that field uh, with your company. You're also an attorney, uh, so some of what we'll be asking you are legal issues. Uh, my first question for you, Gretchen, is uh, I'm going to pose a hypothetical question, which is, say a, a local U.S.-based merchant has a, a niche e-commerce business, a dot-com business, and should that merchant be concerned about registering that in other with other top-level domains in other countries? It's a great question. It, you know, it's, it's often difficult... Um, when you start a company and you go and get that .com website, you don't you don't necessarily know how successful you'll be. So you you want to keep costs low and, and and overhead low. So you go and get that .com name, which is relatively inexpensive. But as your business begins to grow, and the opportunity for doing business in other countries outside the U.S. becomes a real possibility, um, that's really when um, companies need to think. You know what? I might want to start securing my name in other country code, um, or they call them CCTLDs, those are the um, domain names that are um, available in different countries. So, for example, um, in the U.K., you can get a co.uk name, or in China, you can get a .cn name. And so you, when your business starts to take off a little bit, that's probably the right time to think about that. 
um, and to look at where you might be doing business. Um, it's a big, big world out there, and there's over um, 250-plus country code domain names out there, extension, you know, domain name extensions out there. So it's certainly not really necessary or prudent for you to try to secure your name in all of them. It'd be quite expensive, in fact. But um, you really might want to look to those markets that you think um, you will be um, selling into in, in the next uh, one to three years. If a merchant identifies those markets, Gretchen, uh, just to follow up on what you're saying there, how can the merchant know where to find the registrars in those markets? It's another great question. Um, you know, there are certainly local registrars in, in in the different countries, but really when you start moving, um, expanding your business and moving into these um, more international domain name um, registrations and issues, you're going to want to work with a domain name registrar that has global capabilities. Um, CSC, in fact, is one of the is in fact one of those registrars where we can we can register names for companies around the world. There are other um, other ones that can do that also that are based right here in the United States. So uh, they're probably going to want to work with somebody here in the U.S. if they're based in the U.S. So that the time zone and the language is is easy um, to, to to take care of. And that. In that example with, with your company, so your company can register a domain name uh, around the world, how does that work for a local merchant just to help a local U.S.-based merchant understand that? So they, they would just contact your company and say, I want to, I want a .cn or I want a .co.uk, <laughs> and how much does that cost? Could you explain that process just a little bit to us? Sure. Um, so one of the one of the big challenges with those country code top level domain names is that unlike the GTLDs, the generic top level domains, that's the .com, the .net, the .org, um, where there's a lot of uniformity with the country codes, it's different in every country. The rules are different. The prices are different. Um, it's it can be complicated. Um, there are rules like do you have a tree? Sometimes you need a trademark to get a registration. Sometimes you need a local business registration. Sometimes you need a local presence or a local address. So it's kind of hard to generalize, but for the most part, um, the CCTLDs usually run, you know, from $100 to several hundred dollars. That's kind of the average range. Um, and, you know, while corporation um, service company can certainly, um, you can call us and you, we can um, try to help you, um, you know, it, it kind of depends on your your needs. Um, if you just need one, um, you, you may be best served by going to um, a registrar that, you know, offers these types of things online. Or if you need more comprehensive services, then probably Corporation Service Company is, is a good fit for you. Let's assume for a sec, Gretchen, that a merchant, just to follow up on my hypothetical example at the top of the podcast, a merchant has a successful business going here in the U.S., and a, comp- a person or a company in another country s- sort of figures that out and registers the merchant's domain with the local country co- or country top-level domain, if that makes sense. So mm-hmm. n- essentially someone steals the merchant's name under the local top-level domain. What are the, what, what can a merchant do at that point? 
Yeah, that's um, now we're starting to move into the world of cyber squatting, and um, this is you know a big issue we hear often about in the news. Um, big and small companies deal with this issue, and it, there are different um, remedies that can be um, be sought. Some of it may depend on whether or not the name that you're using is trademarked. Um, if it is trademarked, then you're typically afforded um, some, some additional protections on, under um, what's called um, dispute resolution policies that these individual country code top-level domains um, will likely have in place. But um, it, it really is... a you know, I mentioned earlier, each country has um, different dispute policies, has different um, procedures for seeking um, relief. But typically, uh, if you're not trademarked, it may be a little. Di- it may be very difficult to um, block another person from using your name in a, um, another country. How are the disputes resolved now under that under that scenario? So if someone does that, and let's assume a name is trademarked, how is that dispute mm-hmm. resolved now? Sure. So many of the dispute policies, while they, you know, they, they're not exactly the same, many of them will look to see if, if there's a trademark, they'll look to see if the registration or the use of the domain name is being used in what they call bad faith, meaning the person registered it, likely for either the purpose of resale to the person who has the name or to maybe um, divert revenue to themselves to, to get an economic gain. There are different kind of factors that are looked at to determine whether or not there is that what's called bad faith in use or registration. Um, if, let's just assume for a second those things are present, then there are these dispute resolution policies usually have an administrative type procedure where you file a complaint. Um, It's not in a court. It's really with an arbitration group. You file a complaint. The other party um, who you're complaining against gets to answer that complaint. And then the arbiter looks at just the papers. It's not like you have a day in court or anything like that. They look at the, the pleadings and they make a decision and they determine whether or not um, the person who you complained against um, should be able to keep the name or whether they should have to release the name and allow you to take ownership of it. What's the name of that arbitration group? Well, they're different in every country. Oh, um, unfortunately, yeah, yeah it, it, as I mentioned, each country has their own dispute policy. Sometimes it's the registry itself. Sometimes they designate groups like the World Intellectual Property Organization or WIPO or the National Arbitration Forum, or um, there's other groups, um, the Czech Arbitration Court. There's there's a, a handful of well-known um, arbitration groups that have a, a lot of experience and a history of handling domain disputes. Do you find that do you find that registrars in different countries do you find that they are in fact sensitive to those issues or are they? apathetic to those issues. <laughs> so You know, yeah. it kind of depends. Yeah, yeah it kind of depends. Um, there are different, I guess the best way to say it is there are different types or flavors of registrars out there. There are some registrars who really just work with companies and law firms 
Um, that's that's exactly the type of registrar that um, Corporation Service Company is. We don't work with individuals um, generally who just might have one or two domains. We work for enterprises. Mm-hmm. Um, there are companies um, out there also, though, um, another flavor of registrar is sort of um, termed a retail registrar, and those are typically the registrars where they have an online portal that you can um, get an account with by just simply tendering a credit card, and um, they'll give you an account, and you can register domain names that they offer. Um, Typically, retail registrars, there's not a lot of human interaction, and they're very self-service oriented. So um, they're not going to be particularly helpful in, in helping you understand, you know, what particular remedies might be available in, in particular jurisdictions. It's really, if you're a small or medium business, you're probably going to want to work with more of a registrar where you can have a point of contact, you can speak to a person, and you can have um, get them to guide you. Um, those registrars typically, uh, typically um, not only understand the procedures um, related to dispute resolution, but also um, want to help people who are being cyber-squatted against. So recognizing that your company, Corporation Service Company, uh, caters to, um, fair to say, more complex domain and trademark issues or perhaps larger companies. Is that fair, a fair statement? Yeah, that is, a, that, is a fair, that is a fair statement. It's mm-hmm. not that um, we don't uh, want to help everybody. It's just uh, typically the more complex issues do come with the larger organizations. Without, and that's where our expertise is. Sure. Without asking you to promote a competitor for purposes of our listeners who perhaps are smaller merchants that may have cross-border domain issues, would there be a say, uh, more of a retail registrar that caters to cross-border domain registrations that comes to mind to you? Or? Well, there, there are um, some more certainly popular um, registrars out there. Now, in the, the CCTLD market, typically these registrars um, don't offer the full array of um, country code um, registrations. They offer what they can automate because they, you know, again, offer very self-service type platforms. But, you know, there's, there's reputable companies out there, um, you know, probably the most popular being companies like um, Network Solutions or um, uh, Enom or um, GoDaddy even. Okay. So what would, changing, changing directions just for a sec, Gretchen, uh, say you're advising a small business that, a small e-commerce business that has limited resources. They have a, a niche, a successful niche, but they don't have a lot of money. But they're interested in securing their name around the world or securing top-level domains around the world because they think at some point they could export into those markets. What's What would be a strategy for them? How would you advise them recognizing their small businesses, perhaps family-owned businesses without a lot of money? So I would think that the first thing they they want to do is is to kind of think a little bit into the into the future and say, okay, where might I be successful in selling, or where may I want to sell in the next you know one, three, five years, um, and really maybe just focus on that one to three year window at first, um, identify those countries, and then work with a registrar to understand what the rules are in each of those countries. You may be 
um, you may find out um, that you may not be able to qualify for a domain name registration in a particular country because you don't have a local presence or you don't have a trademark or business registration in that in that country. So, um, you know, that may take a few off the top right away. The good news is, though, in those, in those countries where there are those types of requirements, then there's a less likely, there is less likelihood of cyber squatting because someone else would have to be able to come forward with that local presence or that trademark or that business registration to be able to meet the qualifications for the domain name that you might be seeking. So that sometimes it gives people a little comfort. But once you can determine where you might do business and where you may qualify, then you should take that list and prioritize it. And then match that to your budget. It's kind of a, a balance between, you know, risk, opportunity, and budget. Um, and once you, you know, you, you can wade into it slowly, and then if you are gaining ground as time goes on, then you can seek to, um, to get those, those additional registrations where maybe they were lower on your priority list or in countries, you know, in your four- to five-year plan. We've heard of the following of the following scenario occurring, Gretchen, that I wanted to ask your your view on. Uh, companies receive, merchants receive, unsolicited emails from around the globe, and it says, you know, pay us X amount of money in this country, and we will register your domain in this country, or someone is trying to register your domain under our local top-level code. Uh, pay us, you know, this money, and you can reserve it. When that occurs, how can a merchant vet the company who's representing themselves to be a registrar? It's, it's a difficult situation. Um, I know that uh, for as long as I've been in this business, over 12 years now, um, these letters have been around, these letters, these emails, these phone calls where people are purporting to either have, like you said, a customer at the door that wants these names or, uh, or saying that, you know, get them now because they're, they're going to they're gonna go. For the most part, those letters are scams, and you should be very reticent to responding to them. Um, typically, they'll ask you for, you know, banking information or they'll ask you for a credit card. You'll give them that, if you give them that information, you might as well just um, forget that you're ever going to get that domain name. You're simply going to lose money or you could potentially be a victim of identity theft. So we strongly discourage anybody from responding to those directly to the, the person um, who, who came to them with it. Um, however, if you get one of those letters and there's a name on there that you say, gee, I really wish I did have that name, I have a, a purpose for it, then you, you would likely, um, typically the reason those letters come about is people have done what's called mine the who is. The who is is for each um, domain name extension. There's a who is record. It's a public available record that sort of um, says what names are registered and what names are, are not. And then there's varying degrees of information about who is the owner of each domain that is registered. There are different rules in different countries. And what a lot of these kind of scammers do is they look through the who is, they find a name that's popular, they look to see if it's available in a country, 
And if it is, then they contact you saying that someone else wants it. So the lesson there is if you want it, don't contact that person back. Contact someone you trust, a registrar you may be working with already, to then go and register that name for you. Do not send your information to that person who sent you the letter. Is there a master list somewhere that you're aware of that has every legitimate worldwide registrar? <laughs> you know, there isn't a master list of every worldwide registrar. I can tell you, though, on the webs, um, we, we, we've talked about two different types of domains. One is the generic top-level domains, the ComNet, or we've talked about country code um, domains, the, the, the .uk or the .fr. Um, for generic domains, there is a public posting on the ICANN website. That's at http colon forward slash forward slash www.icann.org. Um, there is a, um, you can look for a list of ICANN accredited registrars on that website. Now, those websites are accredited with ICANN for the GTLDs. And that's why they're listed on that website. But many of them are also accredited in those country code um, uh, domains as well. Um, so you, that might be a really good place to start. Um, if you are interested in an individual country, you can typically go to the website of each individual registry. That is not a big consolidated database, unfortunately, which could then list accredited registrars in that country. But you, I think you'll be much better served. Your, your listeners will be much better served by probably starting at the ICANN website and working th um, through the list of ICANN accredited registrars. They would likely be able to find someone who would help them in country codes there. Okay. Anything else? I think that's yeah, it. Yeah, that's very interesting. We, uh, For purposes of our listeners, we've been visiting with Gretchen Olive. Gretchen is the Director of Policy and Industry Affairs. She's a trained attorney. The the, her, her company is Corporation Service Company. Corporation Service Company provides trademark and domain services for larger companies. That website is cscglobal.com. cscglobal.com. And Gretchen Olive, as always, we thank you for your time today. Thank you, Carrie. Thank you. That's all the time we have for this week's e-commerce conversation. I hope you enjoyed it. Please tune in next week for another new episode.